uh, Meredith Lance uh, went home to be with the Lord. Now, you might not know who he is, and if you don't, well, you kind of missed out on a real treat. Um, just a, a, a pillar of our church, just an amazing man. And uh, he was an usher. He was uh, with us on Friday, on Wednesday mornings when we had our breakfasts. He just was a dear, dear, dear man. And uh, he was that wonderful mix that uh, I like in a person. He was, you know, just right, you know, kind of, uh, he wasn't too loud, and, and yet he wasn't too soft. He, he, when he'd come in on Wednesday mornings to be with us, it was, it was so great to have him there. And, and, uh, and so I, I'm, uh, I'm assured of where he is. He is, uh, he's uh, no place he'd rather be, I'll guarantee you. But uh, my concern is for Jeanette, his wife. Um, if you know her at all, just uh, kind of love on her. Uh, care for her when you see her uh, around here. I imagine she's walking through very, very deep, deep waters at this particular time, trying to put everything together. And, uh, and so I just, um, I just wanted to mention his name um, just a dear, dear man. We're in, a, we're in one of the most dynamic places in the Word of God. I know I say that all the time, and, and, and sometimes I say things too often that, that, that you'll, you'll not get the impact that's in my spirit for what we're doing. I know I say too often that this is a, a dramatic place in the Word of God. Let me tell you why I think it is. Now, I know I've said it before, and I don't want to water down what God is teaching us line upon line, word after word. But in in this case, Peter is getting to the point of our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. He is allowing us to see that there is an order to everything and that he calls upon you and he calls upon me to fit into this order in whatever way it is that He has for you and He has for me. There is a call upon your life. There is a call upon my life. If you recall, if you were here last week, for those of you that weren't here, you're here for the dedication. We're in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. If you have a Bible, please grab it. If you uh, have your own Bible, take a look at it. Here's what Peter did last week. He got to the crux of what he was trying to teach from chapters 1, 2, and 3. He gets into chapter 4, and he he lets us know immediately, if you remember, in verses 1 and 2, that he says, I want you to arm yourself. In other words, as Paul would say, put on the full armor of God to stand against the schemes of the evil one. And so he says, I want you to arm yourself. Basically, what he asks us to do is to grow up. Look what he says in verses 1, 2, and 3. Just a review. Verse 1. Since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourself, he says. Arm yourself with the same purpose. Because he who has suffered from the flesh has ceased from sin, as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. And we, we presented to you three things last week. Arm yourself, have a purpose in your life, and your purpose ought to be according to the will of God. And so Peter says in the third verse, which is a dynamic, dynamic verse, he says, For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out 
the desires of the Gentiles. Gentiles meaning the unbelievers. What he is saying is, enough already. Enough. You've had enough time to, to live out the desires of your flesh. Get in line with what God asks for you. Arm yourself. Have a purpose with your life. According to the will of God. Basically, Peter is saying it's time for you and me to grow up. The reason is, is what he's going to say today. He says because there is a duty, a duty that you and I have within our lives to live out our faith. Let me just share with you some things that, I don't know, I don't go to a lot of other churches. I don't go out speaking a lot. Um, I, I am called, I believe, to the Rock Community Church. I believe I'm called to do that, and I get opportunities to go and speak elsewhere, and I never, hardly, hardly ever, I should never is not the right word, hardly ever do I go. And the reason I don't is because if I'm going to spend the energy to speak somewhere, I should spend the energy studying for here to speak to us. That's, that's my call. That's God's call upon my life. And I have no problems telling other people, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I don't have the time because the time I want to spend is with and for us. But what I've been told by many of dear pastor friend of mine, men that, that know things that I don't know, I know that they tell me in the church today, the modern church, the, the off-branch of churches out there in the society in which we live, there has become an unhealthy pursuit of social and cultural acceptance. In other words, let's get in with the times. Let's, let's uh, fit in the way our society is going. The Bible has never taught that we were to fit in the way the society is going. The Bible has always taught that the society was in the, to fit in the way He was going. And that's what we ought to do as a, as a church, as a group of believers, uh, within our lifestyle. With the times and the societies in which we now live, there has become a, a major threat to the church's spiritual health. And it's simply because we have a reluctance to grow up and an unwillingness to fulfill our duty as children of God. As Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 4, we are to equip and we are to build each other up. As we're going to learn today a little further, each one of us has been given a gift. And each one of us has been given a gift for a purpose. And that is to equip one another and to build each other up. And so as I say to you, Meredith is with the Lord, but Jeanette is still here. And we need to build her up. We need to be the family of God that embraces her as she goes through these difficult times. And some churches today offer a variety of sentimental, emotional outlets to replace the systematic study of the Word of God. Gimmicks, if you please, uh, uh, music or, or concerts. Not that that might be wrong, but, but they, they try to do, some churches do whatever it takes to gather in crowds and ultimately fill not only their, but their pastor's pockets. Be careful of that in our society. Instead of what they should be doing is giving people who come to church sound scriptural doctrine 
and sound biblical solutions for sin, for the forgiveness of sin, for righteousness and holy living. Instead, there is a call to the crowd. Bring in the numbers. And some churches, in doing so, have put aside the sound teaching of God's majestic Word, this, the very Word of God that we study here at this church as faithfully as we know how. And instead, they've, they've turned to tickling the ears of those who come, telling them what they want to hear rather than what they ought to hear. What does the Bible have to say? Some have even distorted the Word of God, changed it for their agenda. Church today urgently needs a spiritual revival. It means we need to get beyond our own personal desires, our own personal wants, and we need to center in on what God would have to say to us. In other words, we need to grow up and fulfill our duty as believers in Jesus Christ. If we do this, the church will become more than simply a a crowd of people, but it will become a spiritually powerful force living amongst a hostile, satanic, evil world ready to do spiritual battle for our Lord. How do we do that? Well, last week. Peter said last week in verses 1 and 2, we're to arm ourselves, we're to have a purpose in our lives, and our purpose in our lives ought to, do the, ought to be to do the will of God. With that thought in mind, Peter moves us to verse 7 to 11. In, in fact, verse 11 ends with an amen. It almost seems to me, and I don't think this is true, but it almost seems to me that Peter says, well, this is all the Lord wanted me to write for this particular book. And so he ends with an amen, or so be it, but there's more. But listen to what he says concerning your and my duty. Watch how he begins. He begins in verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound mind. Excuse me. Be of sound judgment. Be of sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, he says, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Verse 10 and 11, watch now. As each one has received a spiritual gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. And he says, Amen. Amen. So be it. It appears that that Paul believes that what he said to us last week concerning our growing up must have taken root within us. And so he says, okay, since you want to grow up, here's your spiritual duty. Here's how you ought to live your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now let's pray and ask God to open up these verses so that we really understand what he is saying to us. And let us, if we can, put aside any of our own personal agenda or our own personal um, 
thoughts and, and, and let us listen to hear that still, quiet voice of our Lord, our Lord and our Savior, God Almighty, who has come to sacrifice His life for us for the forgiveness of our sin and become our Savior as well as our Lord. Father, please, would You open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come from Your law, Your words, Father, not ours. With that in mind, Father, would You please move me aside. Don't let me allow to interfere with anything that You want to say to any single one of us, Father. May we all, to one degree or another, hear that still, quiet voice of Yours within our own heart of hearts. Father, I know that You have a plan for each of us. I don't know what that plan is. I don't know. You do. And so, Father, please touch us as only You can. Thank You for Logan, Father. Bless that little boy. Thank You for Ashley, Father God. Bless her as well, as along with the family. Thank You for them being here. And now, Father, would You bless this time we have together in the most precious name that I know of. The name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, let's get to the very crux of this passage. Verse 7 starts, The end of all things is at hand. What in the world does that mean? Peter is saying, you need to grow up. You need to arm yourself. You need to prepare yourself for, for battle out there in this world in which you live. You need to have a purpose in what you're doing. And you need to do all that you're going to do according to the will of God. Because the end... Of, the, of all things is at hand. Now, we need to break down the, the word end in the Greek to understand what is Peter saying. The Greek word is T-E-L-O-S, telos, telos. It means the fulfillment of all things is at hand. Ultimately, what Peter is speaking about is the second coming of Jesus Christ. The next verb is near or is at hand is in the Greek, E-G-G-I-K-E-N, it means it is approaching. But this, these words being in the perfect tense in the Greek says that this is a completed process. It is already done. The event, our Lord's coming back, is eminent, Peter is saying. Meaning that it could occur at any moment. And as far as we know from the reading and the studying of the Word of God, everything is at ready for our Lord's return. I want you to see what Matthew has to say about this in Matthew chapter 24. So hold your place here in 1 Peter 4 and turn back towards the start of the New Testament, the book of Matthew, and look at verse chapter 24. I want you to read with me what Jesus says concerning verses 37 through 44. Matthew puts it this way. Verse 37. The coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand. In other words, what they didn't understand was his pleading. God was going to cause a flood to come to the earth. Get on the ark. Be prepared to, to get on the ark. And so it says in verse 39, they did not understand until 
the flood came and took them all away. So will it be. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. It says in verse 40, There will be two men in the field. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other will be left. Therefore, Matthew writes, Be on the alert. Be ready. Be prepared. Arm yourself. For you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Verse 43, But be sure of this. If the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert. And he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Verse 44, For this reason, for this reason, people, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think He will. Therefore, you and I, if you turn back to 1 Peter chapter 4, we are to live with an anticipation. We are to live with an, a longing for, an alert for our Lord's return, being obedient and faithful in the process to Him. I want to ask you a question. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? What do you think of? I mean, is it very? Or do you have a systematic thought process that you go through? I'm not saying you should, but I do. Before my feet hit the floor, almost always, I thank the Lord for the day. Thanks for this day, Father. What do you have for me today? And then I always ask, is this the day you're coming back? It sets me on edge, so to speak. It gives me a purpose, so to speak. A purpose could be, I could be going out doing this, that, or the other. But I do it with the mindset that, is this the day that my Lord might come back? You know, in Colossians it says, whatever you do, in other words, you don't have to be maybe on your knees praying at the time. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, knowing it's the Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve. So you can be at ready. It's just a, a thought that you might want to incorporate within your own life. Thanking the Lord for this day that He has given you. Asking Him what is it that you, have, you would desire for Him to do, or for what, what He desires for you to do in your life that day, and then ask Him, are you coming? Is this the day? We are to live with an anticipation of His coming. James chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is it is near. And so Peter, here in 1 Peter chapter 4, after setting that tone, saying that uh, the end of all things is at hand, in other words, prepare your mind and your hearts, he concludes by saying from verse 7 to 11 that we have a duty to follow in the process waiting for Him to come. He says in verse 7, let's take a look, three things. He says, I want you to be a sound judgment, sober spirit, for the purpose of prayer. Verse 8, above all, he says, I want you to keep fervent in your love for one another. Because, he says, love covers a multitude of sins. He also says in verse 9, I want you to be hospitable, hospitable to one another with, without complaint. Verse 10 and 11, absolutely I love them. I, I love verse 10 and 11. 
No, as each one has received a spiritual gift. That's not a typo. That is, an, that is a statement from God Almighty to you. As each one of you, each one of us has been given a spiritual gift. Therefore, he says, employ it, use it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then he talks of two gifts. Only two. There's myriads of gifts. There's all sorts of gifts that, that God, I think, gives some of, some of us, all of us. But here he just mentions speaking and serving. And he says, whoever speaks, a person is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Listen, folks, you do not want to hear my opinion of the Bible. What you want to hear is what does the Bible have to say? What is God saying to you and me? Concerning His Son... Is His Son who He says He is or is He not? Is Jesus Christ who is, is who He says He is or is He not? If I'm to speak, or you're to speak, we are to speak the utterances of God. We have no right to change the Bible. We are to speak it clearly. It's not my choice and it's not my decision to tell you what I think I want you to hear that's why when we study the Bible here at this church, we do it line upon line, word upon word, so that we can't duck and hide. We have to study what God gives to us and imply it, incorporate it maybe is a better word, into our lives. So the one who speaks is to do so as if speaking the utterances of God. And the one who serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God might be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion. To Jesus Christ belongs the glory and the dominion. Make no mistake about that. He ends by saying forever and ever. There's no change in that agenda. Amen. What we read, just read, in verses 7 through 11, makes it crystal clear, folks, that anyone who desires to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord must count the cost in doing so. There needs to be an eager submission to the Lordship of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said it clearly. I mean, as clearly as could be. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Listen to these words. You know them. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, Jesus is speaking, he must, she must, they must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus gives a strong call to grow up along with an even stronger call to fulfill the duty that he has given to you as he has gifted you. So what, he has, what does he ask you to do? Look at verse 7. Be of sound judgment. The Greek word is S-O-P-H-R-O-N-E-O. It literally means to be in one's right mind or under control, not being carried away by an inerrant view of oneself. Basically, humility. Paul puts it in a very succinct way. He says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, he says, Through the grace that has been given to me, Paul speaking, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but think so as to have, here's the word, a sound judgment. In other words, be under control, be of a right mind, 
as God has allowed each of us a measure of faith. The next word, sober in spirit, in the Greek is N-E-P-H-O. It, it is closely related to sound judgment. It means to be alert. It means to be spiritually observant, to keep watching. Matthew says as much. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. He says, be on the alert, folks. In other words, keep your, your mind and your heart ready to, to observe what's going on around you. Because he says, you do not know which day the Lord is coming. Sound judgment, sober spirit. They're crucial for the purpose of prayer. The third one in verse 11. Prayer is your and my access to all spiritual resources of God. But we must pray properly. Our minds are to be stable. We're not to chase after worldly pursuits. We are to be knowledgeable of the truth. We, we need to understand what do we believe. Why do we believe it? We can't be indifferent to our Lord's purposes. We need to know the will of God and to pursue after it with our lives. Our duty also calls us as believers in verses 8 and 9 to above all, keep fervent. Keep fervent in your love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins, he says. Therefore, be hospitable to one another without complaint. I love verse 8. You know I do. Love. Love is the essence of us as believers. When the disciples came to Jesus Christ, in John chapter 13, verse 34 and verse 35, they came to Jesus Christ and He says, a new commandment I'm going to give to you. They probably ask, what is it? What is it, Lord? What is this new commandment? He says, I want you to love one another. They might have asked Him, how? What do you mean, love one another? He says, even as I have loved you, so you should have love for one another. For what purpose, Lord? He says, by this, by your love for one another, all people will know you're my disciples. There's a call for you and me to love one another within the family of God. Jesus made it so. This commandment that He has given us is to love one another even as He has loved us. So we should have love for one another. By, by that, by that love for one another, everyone's going to know we are disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. People come into this church and they sense, I think they do, at least they tell me they do, a sense of, of togetherness, of, of, of affection here within the body of Christ. Above all, verse 8 tells us to keep fervent in this love for one another because love will cover a multitude of sins. And then he says, be hospitable without complaint. Be inhospitable. The, the, the meaning of the words be hospitable literally means to love strangers. It takes this love that our Lord has told us about beyond the circle of Christian friends and families to others that we have not even yet met to love them and to be hospitable to them without complaining. That without complaining, I think, makes reference to the fact that all of us are sinners. Every single one of us have that one thing in common. The whole world. 
one thing in common. We're all sinners, and we all need to be saved by the grace of God. And so Peter is implying that the only thing that will preserve unity within the body of Christ is our love for one another and our ability to forgive one another when we mess up. Family and strangers alike. Then verses 10 and 11. The very meat of these uh, verses. It says, As each one has received a special gift. As I said already, that's not a typo. Every single one of you here who have asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and to be your Savior has been gifted with a spiritual gift and He expects you to use it. He doesn't expect you to put it aside and say, I I would use it now, Lord, but you know I don't have the time. I would use it now, but I don't have the talent. I would use it now, but I don't have the wisdom. Bingo! That's me! I don't have enough time either. And I don't have enough talent either. And by you know I don't have the wisdom. I believe God has called me to this position to confound the doggone world. Saying if He can use me, He can use you. He has given you a gift. Don't put it aside. Don't put it aside. Use it serving one another here within the body of Christ. Note he says as good stewards. I don't have a life verse. I have life verses. I, have a, I know some people I'm kind of envious of. They have one verse that's a, their life verse. I, mine fluctuates from, depending upon where I'm studying and what I, I see. But, but this one is close. Talking about stewardship. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Let a person regard you in this fashion, this manner, as a servant of Jesus Christ, and as a steward of the mysteries of God. He says in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, In this case, moreover, it is required of a steward that he be found, she be found, we be found trustworthy. I want to be a servant of Jesus Christ till the last breath I take on this earth. I want to serve Him and I want to be a steward of the mysteries of God. And by the grace of God, I want to be found trustworthy to my call. Think about that. Think about being a steward. Now how do we use these gifts? And how do we serve our Lord? Whether they be a speaking gift, teaching others, or serving gifts, waiting on others. In other words, what's our duty? What's our duty in the family of God? Look at verse 11. Look at it closely. He says, whoever speaks, whoever speaks, He is to do so, she is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. If a man is not speaking the Word of God in the pulpit, he has no business standing there 
and will come to very strong judgment from God. This is what we are to teach. The utterances of God. The apostles told us this. They gave the word. That's not supposed to change. What they taught us years and years and years ago at Pentecost are the same things that ought to be taught today. And I hear somebody say, you know, I, I stole this or that from another preacher. and I Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. I've never said one thing that has been original in my life. I've stolen from everybody, from the very Word of God. And what I try to present to you as clearly as possible are these words that are written within these pages. Not my thoughts, but His. Whoever speaks ought to speak the utterances of God. Goes on to say in verse 11, And whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. I've had people ask me, and I've had some of you saying, you know what's amazing is that you're 77 years old and you're like a, on fire. You're, you're passionate for the Lord. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I love the Lord with all my heart. And I serve the Lord not with my own strength but with His. I'll tell you something that I shouldn't have said. Maybe I'm going to say anyways. I was lightheaded all morning. I was just one of those mornings, you know, where maybe I didn't get enough sleep or something. I thought, wow, I wonder if I'll be able to do this. And then I hear that song, there's no place I'd rather be. And I run up here and sing because there's no place I'd rather be. And then all of a sudden I find myself at the end of the message feeling pretty strong. And then when I'm through, last service when I got through, I barely made it up the steps to go have a little breakfast. Whoever serves, let him do so in the strength of God. You know who says it best? Isaiah. Isaiah really says it best. Listen to it. In fact, they put it on the screen. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Those who, I want you to watch this now, who wait on the Lord. In other words, I'm not, I'm not trying to get my strength. I'm waiting on the Lord for Him to give me the strength to do what He has called me to do, whatever that is. Those who wait on the Lord, they will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like an eagle. And they will run and not get tired. And they will walk and not become weary. Do you wish to serve the Lord for a long time or as, as, as passionately as you can until the Lord takes you home to be with Him? Then take up Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 and wait upon the Lord so that you might gain new strength. Wings like an eagle. Run and not get tired and walk and not become weary. All in all, no matter what it is that you've been called to do, your gift, do it to honor and to glorify God. Because it is to Him, verse 11, and Him alone who belongs the glory. It is to Him and Him alone who is the dominion forever. So Peter says, Amen. Amen. I'm done, he says. So be it. Let it be. Arm yourselves. Have a purpose in your life. And your purpose ought to be to do the will of God. Serve the Lord with all your heart.
with His strength. And if God gives you the gift of teaching, do the utterances of God, not your own thoughts. Or not some church's um, agenda or whatever it is that they have. Teach the Word of God. Give the people His words. With that in mind, and that amen, I want to call up our pastor, Mark McGrath, and his family, Terry and Joni and and Chelsea. We're going to have a time of of, uh, praying for them and we're kind of uh, making this transition as smoothly as 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 succinctly as possible. Come up. Mark and has been on staff since the first of June. And God is going to use him in this church in more ways than I've you and I could ever dream. But I I, I asked them to come up. Actually we all did uh, the elders and, and the trustees because we wanted to pray over them and also for Terry, you know, I'll let you introduce them, but um want to pray for them because in ministry Sometimes you just get so busy that you need your wife, you need the kids, you need people to understand. I'll give you, for instance, this week when Meredith was really sick and in the hospital, I had to, I had to be with my son. I couldn't change the date. My son and, and my daughter-in-law and their family asked us to celebrate with them, and, and so I couldn't go to the hospital. And Mark says, I'll go. He went to the hospital and he was with Jeanette from 6 to 7, took a break. He came back at 9 o'clock and sat with her until midnight, prayed with her. That's the man of God that has been, that our Lord has brought to this church. That's a man of God that cares for our people, cares for his ministry. With that in mind, Terry has to be understanding that he's sometimes gone, sometimes doing stuff that, that, there was no, there was no, it wasn't on the books. He just had to do it. I love this man with all my heart. We are blessed to have Mark McGrath here as our pastor. Want to say something to you folks? Please. Thank you, PJ. You Am I on? Am I good? Yeah? You can hear me? Sorry. I thought I turned it on. This is my lovely family, the love of my life, my wife of 27 years, my oldest daughter, Chelsea, and my youngest daughter, Joni. They're also our roommates. <laughs> For now. <laughs> For now. That's right. That's right. I love my family, and I know that you guys will fall in love with them as much as I love them soon as well. So thank you. I do want to say thank you so much. Um, some of you know, some of you may not know, this process all started back in October. And it's been a long time. And, and meeting with the leaders and, and just kind of doing things kind of behind the scenes and you know, just checking each other out to build trust because this is, this is important. Pastor John is your founding pastor and he's dearly loved. I love him. What's not to love about Pastor John? Right? Well, maybe a few things. No. Um, so this is important and trust is important and trust takes time. And so as the leaders and I and my family began to meet, we just continued to, to build trust and and that's a trust that um, we need to build, me with you as well. So on some level, the leaders have had more access to me in, in building that trust. And so um, I'm looking forward to building trust with each and every one of you. And it's going to take time. And I look forward to it. I really do. Um, one of the things that I need to trust you with is you need to pray for me 
and for my family. I'm going to trust you with that. Will you be trustworthy with that? Will you guys pray for me and my family, please? Thank you so much. Um, the second thing um, that I th- uh, find interesting is there's apparently a hazing process that new pastors go through. So this week I had to wash all the elders' cars. And, uh, no, seriously. And, and do their laundry. And some of these, some of them, I don't know what they do during the day, but holy cow. Um, and then, apparently, we, we had to go out and toilet paper all the board of trustees' house, houses, so that was fun. That was actually didn't feel like hazing, and I would have done that for free. Um, anyway, I'm just kidding. I do want to just share with you from Ephesians 4, and uh, just listen if you will, it's just a, a verse and a half. Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. On some level, churches get it wrong, and we could be one of those churches that get it wrong if you're the audience and I'm the entertainer and your eyes are focused on me. That's not right. God's our audience, and you're the performers. And my job as a pastor is just to help that relationship exist. Amen. To point to Christ and say, what is God calling us to as a body of believers? I'm just a part Amen. of a body. We're the body of Christ. And it's spoken of often in Scripture about we each have a very important role to play. And John talked about that in his message. So, um, I know in Pastor John's heart that um, he doesn't want to build a name for himself. He's a very humble man. No, I'm no different. It's not about my name, it's not about Pastor John's name, and it's not even about the name on our building called the Rock Community Church. It's about the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And that's the way it's going to be for me, and I'm pretty sure that's the way it's going to be for you. And so we have that trust in common already, and I'm so thankful. Um, Some of you, I hope, if you um, got a bulletin, there's a little handout here. and And one of the ways to start building that trust with one another is just an opportunity to hang out. And so there's a couple Sundays at 12.30. The dates are listed. And we're going to do pizza with pastor. So I said, I'll provide the, we'll provide the pizza. You provide your presents. And then I, I said that last <laughs> night, right? And it's like presents meaning just show up. But I didn't want you to hear presents. But if you feel compelled to buy me... <laughs> seriously, I love presents. So show up. But if you want to bring me something... I will receive it. I used to not be able to receive things from people. I'll, I'll, I'll take anything now. Just, but if you want to keep it real simple, Hershey's with almonds. That's, a, that's good enough. Um, and then there's, a, I think, what is, what's it called? Uh, weekday, walk-in weekdays. There's four days there. Just come in. Let's just hang out, you know, and, and get to know you. And, um, and then the other one's, I think, called Drive-By Delights. I'm going to go and hit every... You know, young adult group and, and men's fellowship and, Bible, and women's fellowship and HBS and just come and say hi with you and hang out. Is that all right? Amen. And um, Amen. thank you. Thank you. I'm good. I'd like to call up uh, Pastor uh, Elder D- David Briggs, also uh, the elders uh, Bruce and uh, Russ and Doug. They're here. And also the trustees, Rob and James and Brian, if they're here. Do you have something you want to say? 
My car is in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. My car hasn't been washed in like six months. So it's the red one. It's out there. A uh, couple of things. Uh, afterwards, we have a cake. It's always fun to have cake. We have cake to honor Mark coming. Um, also, if you want prayer at the end of this service, the prayer team is going to be here as they always are every week. And we love to pray with you. And everything. And we do have presents for you. Amen. For you and your family. Thank yeah. you. It's a good start. <laughs> it's a good start. <laughs> That's, That's it? And is there Hershey with almonds? No, well, you could share. What I I would love for all of us to do right now, if you don't mind, is just stand with us and we'll pray. We're going to ask God to bless. And and you need to know that that Terry, like Mark asked you to pray for for him as being the pastor. You pray for her as well. And pray for the kids. Pray for Chelsea and Joni um, as well. Um, They need your prayers. And if you're ever, if, if, if Mark is ever up here speaking, and Joni's here. Don't watch Mark. Watch Joni. You'll know what's true and what's not. She'll, she'll give you this. No, he doesn't do that. But anyways, would you please pray for them and pray for him. God has brought the, the perfect person to be and to lead us as a church. And I, I cannot be more honored to be a part of it with you. Um, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for Terry. I want to thank, thank you for Chelsea. I want to thank you for Joan. Father, bless these, young, these two young girls and their mom. And Father, for Mark, I pray, God, that you would just uh, touch him in such a way, Father, that it would be so evident for everyone that they, they see that this is a church that loves their pastor and that wants to encourage him to build him up and to be with him at every step of the way. And Father, look forward with anticipation our growth in Christ as he leads us and takes us into the word, into depths that we didn't know or didn't perhaps know and understand at the time, but he, but you give him wisdom, Father. Give him the ability to lead us. Now, Father, thank you for this church. It is a, it is a blessed place. And we thank you for everything you will do. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. amen.